1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG-13. Welcome to Bears Over Beers, the podcast that takes deeper dives in order to serve up cooler takes on the Chicago Bears and the NFL. My name is Jeff Burkus, and I'm a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined on the other line by E.J. Snyder, Windy City Gridiron's lead draft analyst. We're going to dedicate this episode to recapping the start of free agency, and as always, we're going to need a beverage to do that. So, E.J., what are you drinking today?
0: Well, in honor of the holiday, it's St. Patrick's Day today while we're recording, and I am drinking Irish Death. Um from Iron Horse Brewery over in Ellensburg, Washington. It's their best-selling beer. It's their flagship beer. Um, they they bill it as sessionable but too strong to do so, uh, and I think that's that's pretty accurate. So that'll be my beer for the day. What about yours? You know, that's interesting. Sessionable, what does that mean? It means you can drink a couple and feel pretty good about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, this is St. Patrick's Day, so I think you can drink a couple and feel pretty good about it just in general. But um, I went with the same theme. Um, my beer today is called Irish Blessing. It's ah. an oak-aged coffee stout, and it's from Boulder Beer Company out in Colorado. So um, I, I've had the chocolate shake porter uh, from this brewery. That's quite good. Uh, and so I'm pretty interested to see what this one uh, tastes like. So let's uh, let's open up and pour, and let's start the podcast. All
0: right. Sounds good to me.
1: Definitely a popular beer uh, for the stouts is are these oak aged, these barrel aged beers that they're pretty much everywhere. I got a a friend who's actually a brewer locally, and he calls it a sticky stout as the style, and I kind of <laughs> like that uh, as a as a handle for them. Uh, generally, says so anything that's over ten percent uh, in the, in that. Category they they call sticky stout. This is not over ten percent. It's actually a pretty nice six point two, so it's not going to be too bad, and pretty low on
0: the bitterness unit. So I'm pretty lo- well, I'm, I'm looking. Well, I've forward got to this you one. there. <laughs> uh, ABV for this one is seven point eight percent, which is why they say uh, yeah, if you're going to drink a bunch, you may feel good about it on the day of, but maybe not the day after. Um, and it's definitely got a little bit more bitterness to it. It's not that much different than. Uh, other Irish stouts in the fact that it has a, it has a little bit more malt than they do, but it's, uh, it's almost a flat black color. It's got a little bit of redness to it, but it's quite dark. Um, and it has that, uh, definitely that malty taste. You can, you can come through with the malts on that. It is not barrel aged, but do, do you know what I saw the other day that, um, really, really threw me? What's that? Uh, it said Budweiser. But then there was a, but then there was a Jack Daniels, it was either Jack Daniels or Jim Beam label on it. And I was like, wait, what? And so I went up and read the label because I was curious, not a, not a huge Budweiser fan myself. Um, but it is, it is a Budweiser ale aged in like Jim Beam barrels. Yes,
1: um, you know, and I was matter, like, I'm yeah. not sure how I feel about this. <laughs> I've actually, I've actually tried it and the only, I would, have, I would never have purchased it on my own, but and uh, interestingly enough, I had it down in New Orleans when I was tailgating with uh, some random Saints fans before the Saints oh, nice. and Rams game. And, nice. you know, I, I, I bought some beer, it contributed to the, <clears throat> to, to the cooler and they were passing around a lot of stuff, tried it. It wasn't terrible, um. But, you know, it's not something I would necessarily buy, but definitely an interesting thing to to try once in a while um, if it's out there and if you're looking for something to kind of laugh at and drink and, you know, it's Uh, great.
0: Yeah, I just – I was taken aback. I was like, look at this. Barrel aged Budweiser. What's what's the world coming to? But there we go. So we've got a couple of beers. And we've got lots of stuff in free agency to talk about because it was a pretty wild start. Well, it's pretty interesting. And before we get into bear specific
1: moves, I kind of wanted to get your impressions of a couple different uh, teams and landing spots from players and a couple of things that we talked about on this pod before. But I want to start with the Giants because I want to know what the heck the Giants are doing. They they traded OBJ to the Browns for a couple of picks, a first and a third. I, I, I would say that that's undervalued, but okay, fine. They did get Jabril Peppers back. I don't think Peppers was necessarily a great fit in Cleveland. I don't know that he's that great of a player, but at least there's someone to take the role that Landon Collins was vacating. Um, I they look like they were finally willing to embrace a rebuild, uh, and then they go out and they sign Golden Tate, four years, thirty-seven million, a pretty decent contract, and I guess that's to fill some of the targets vacated by OBJ. I, you know, this all started last year when they made, a, I think, a very curious and poor decision to draft uh, Saquon Barkley, who's a great player, don't get me wrong, but they, they were sitting number two in the draft. They could have had one of the quarterbacks in a pretty good and deep quarterback draft. They take a running back, very fungible position. I, what the heck is Dave Gettleman doing? What's his plan?
0: Yeah, you're not alone on this, and I've read a, a couple of things uh, on this. Probably the best one I read or the, the most enlightening one I read was from a guy that writes for NewJersey.com, Matt Lombardo, who covers the Giants, and he was he was trying to answer that exact question. He's like, everybody's asking that question, What's gets up to? And I'm not sure he knows. Uh, I think he's going back and forth, but if you look at the pattern of the last two years and what he's done, the best way I can describe it is I think he's pulling a Sashi light, and that okay. would be... Sashi Brown from the – or Sashi, remind me of his last name. The Browns former GM. Was it Sashi Brown? No. (laughs) Sashi – whatever. Anyways, uh, basically the guy that stacked up all the picks and all the cap space for the Browns that John Dorsey is now spending and and looking like a genius. So – A lot of people felt like Sashi sort of fell on the sword because they, you know, he did everything right except the coaching part. Um, Once they got the coach out of there and they started to see success, and of course now Dorsey's in there and he's got a boatload of picks, a lot of talent on that team. And it looks like the Giants are kind of setting up to do the same thing. They're clearing off a bunch of salary, a bunch of salary they would have had to pay. They've already sort of inked OBJ, which makes it a really odd deal. Why do you give him the deal and then trade him? Because, of course, they said we're not signing him to trade him, which, of course, they did, which is why I'm saying he's not exactly sure what he's doing. But if you look at it, they've got a bunch of picks. It's not as good as the Browns haul, but it's, it's certainly better than they had. They've cleared off a ton of salary. Um, you know, re-signing Landon Collins would have been a big salary too. So he's clearing the decks. And the question is sort of for what, because they've, like you said, they've cleared out some good players. They've relied now on an old quarterback. I'm definitely on record as saying that the, the Saquon thing was a terrible, terrible choice, not because of Saquon, he's a great player, but when you're sitting number two and you've got a then 37 year old quarterback who's declining and there's a bunch of good, good quarterbacks on the board, uh, you do it you know, you right. go get one. They didn't. And, you know, I almost wish that they'd get <laughs> more punished for that because there's been the the sort of floating of the idea that Josh Rosen's available out of Arizona because they might want Kyler Murray. And the question is, you know, does he go to a place like New York? And my hope is that he doesn't because I, I really believe stupidity should be painful. And what gets did <laughs> was really dumb. And I don't want him now to sneak into Josh Rosen by skipping out on him last year and then paying a maybe a third rounder for him this year or you know, maybe even a second rounder, and then ending up with Rosen and Barkley and a fairly good core to throw to Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram. Like that that would be an okay offense. They got a couple of offensive linemen last year. They could add a couple more this year with draft picks and they'd come out of it okay. Now, if he does something like that. I'll give him half credit. He could have had Rosen at two last year and and a plenty decent running back later on and, and still had OBJ to throw to. And I think that would be, you know, preferable to where they are. So, but it looks like they're clearing off cap space, stockpiling a bunch of draft picks. But the question is, draft picks are only good if you know how to use them and what to do with them, and I'm, and I'm not sure that he does. So that's my best guess at what Gettleman's doing. Yeah, and they, there was some quote, something to
1: the effect of, they are now able to get back to the run-first approach that Gettleman prefers. So um, way to go back Boo. to the 1990s. Um, <laughs> but with Eli under center, uh, a run-first approach is probably the most appropriate. Uh, it, I did look it up. It is Sashi Brown. It just seems like such a perfect name for a Browns GM. That, there you go. You, you doubted yourself. But um, one of the guys that we talked about on the first podcast that we did on Inside Linebacker that I said might be a good bargain was Quan Alexander. And the Niners, either they have the exact opposite of idea of what a bargain means or I was just way off on what the league might have thought about a guy coming off an ACL. But the 49ers signed Quan Alexander for four years, $54 million. Sort of took me back like, wow, that's a huge contract. Looked into the details a little bit. It's structured in a way that I think minimizes the risk to the 49ers up front and that they can get out after this year with only $3 million a dead cap uh, for 2020 if they so choose. But if he does come on strong and they want to keep him, they, he's basically locked into a deal with the 49ers that's still pretty expensive for an inside linebacker position. And so it, to me it feels like a pretty big overpay. Um, and even if he hits, they're not getting much – of a value of a bargain out of it. And so it's kind of a weird, I I appreciate the uh, creative way to structure contracts, but his agent deserves a lot of kudos for this because I think it's a pretty good contract for Quan and then bigger picture, the 49ers who have had tons of injury issues, they seem to not be afraid to sign guys that have had a checkered injury history. So I don't know if you had any insight into maybe Quan in particular, what the 49ers are doing.
0: The 49ers approach to free agency has been really interesting over the past couple of years. They signed Eric McKinnon, the, the back out of, um, Minneapolis for a huge dollar contract last year everybody and and they did it really early and that seems to be the John Lynch sort of mo is I want this guy and I don't really care what the market is I'm just gonna pay him because I want him to come here and that's gonna that approach is gonna catch up with him they started off again with a fair amount of cap to spend uh, the other thing being this particular position inside linebacker, they've had all kinds of fun with Ruben Foster, who was a high draft pick, who was part of that, you know, bears trade down for Trubisky and the 49ers fleeced the bears, blah, blah, blah. Right. And of course it didn't work out so well for him for reasons. I don't want to say outside their control, but you know, his off field stuff caught up with him. So they need a dynamic inside backer. Quan is a dynamic inside backer. Uh, it feels like an overpay. I, I'm with you. The creative structure is nice, um, but he does have an injury history. I, you know, we were on record on the on the first Bears over beers talking about Quan Alexander's possibility. If he was a value, we thought we might sneak in there. Yeah, we were we were not correct about that because yeah. um, the 49ers really had him as the apple of their eye, and they just opened the checkbook for him. Well, good for
1: him and good for his agent, and uh, do wish the best uh, for that particular player because I do I do like his game. So good for him. Um, the last team that I had written down that I kind of wanted to talk about was the Packers going out and actually spending a lot of big money in free agency, which is pretty rare for them. I think they're maybe filling the heat of a of an off season in twenty eighteen. Watching the sands of Aaron Rodgers' career run out of the hourglass, maybe. I'm not sure. But there may be a little bit of panic there in Packer land. Uh, Zadarius Smith, uh, outside linebacker, signed for four years, $66 million. Uh, Preston Smith, four years at $52 million, both outside linebackers. Uh, not to mention the Adrian Amos deal, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh As of right now, last I looked, Packers and Lions have spent the second and fourth most, respectively, in free agency. So I think there's some urgency from those organizations trying to catch up to Chicago and Minnesota. What do you think of what the Packers have done to sort of revamp their defense? I'm a big fan of the Smiths, both
0: of them. Um, Zadarius Smith has grown on me as a pro coming out. I thought he was going to be a decent sort of rotational backup guy. He's shown more than that since he hit the league. The contract's expensive, but it's a premier position um, and they wanted to get him. Preston Smith, I was a huge fan of um, coming into the league. I'd lobbied for him as a, as a very solid linebacking prospect who I thought had a lot of versatility, could play in a lot of systems and had more impact, I think, in college than a lot of people gave him credit for. And he's, you know, he's stayed at that level in the pros. He hasn't dropped off. So those are very solid ads for them. Very solid at, you know, 66 million and 52 million. That's what free agency is these days is if you're gonna go fill holes and try and catch up, you're, Your term was a sense of panic, but really it's trying to, you know, level the playing field a little bit. They're realizing that they're not in the catbird seat in their division anymore. And that makes it difficult when you could always sort of say, Hey, we're going to win the division. You could, you could just play the playoffs after that. They're not in that position anymore. So good players get paid like great players. That's what free agency is these days. And that's what these deals are. They're good players. They're solid players. I, you know, I probably fear the Smiths more than I fear Amos, um, but they're paying them like premier players, and they have to. That's what free agency is, or they wouldn't get them. The whole Amos thing is really interesting. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit and all the comparisons to the guy that replaced him in Chicago. Um, but it is interesting to think that Amos was – well, I don't know. Where would you rank Amos in, uh, say, since Nickel is a starter, let's say top 12 defenders on the Bears? Where do you think Amos ranks or ranked, I should say? Yeah, I I think that you could put him somewhere in the ten range, right? I think you're about right. I think that's that's pretty common. Is that nine, ten, eleven range for him? He, he's certainly not one of the top half defenders, uh, and they're paying him like a premier defender. And they're saying, hey, this guy is going to fix our secondary. This guy is right. going to gel our secondary, and that's pretty interesting. That's a huge swing to think about. Is that you know the a bottom half. For certain, probably bottom third defender on the Bears' starting unit is being seen as a savior at the rivals up north. That's a that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, it's it's so interesting. Let's get into that a little bit. I, I you know, basically the Bears and the Packers did a safety swap. It's one of the first times I ever remember something like this happening uh, in in the same off season. But haha, Clinton Dix comes to Chicago on a one-year, three and a half million dollar deal. Amos gets four years, $36 billion from the Packers. There is, it looked to me like an out after two years for about $20 million if they wanted to get out early. Uh, you know, Landon Collins, uh, Tyron Matthew, Earl Thomas, they all hovered around that $14 million per year mark. Amos was sort of in that second tier like we thought he would be uh, with the LaMarcus Joyner and Kareem Jackson contracts. Uh, $9 million a year. It, I don't think it's an overpay in terms of something egregious, but it is good money for both parties to commit to each other. Uh, so it is interesting that they did go that way. It has been fascinating to watch Bears fans on Twitter talk about how Amos really isn't that great and he'll get exposed in Green Bay now, and Green Bay fans telling how bad Haha ha Clinton Dix is and how they think that they got such a great player from Chicago. And so it's this weird thing going on where our guy sucked. Your guy was better. And we now have a better guy uh, playing for us. So that's kind of, that's kind of been a weird uh, sensation to, to watch unfold. But I, you know, you talked about it last time. You liked him more than Amos in this role. I certainly like it on the, uh, for the one year, uh, three point five million—that's a really good value. He's going to be able to reunite with Eddie Jackson, We both went to Alabama. Um, he brings a first-round pedigree. He, obviously, when a guy like that signs a, a one-year deal, he's trying to reset his market. No better place to do that than on an elite defense. And so, you know, for him, this is hopefully something that will restart his career in in a big way. Uh, he brings better cover skills uh, and playmaking ability than Amos ever did. I think that's that's true across the board. He's obviously not as solid of a tackler um, as as Amos was. Uh, I think it's interesting uh, to have two guys with cover skills. I think it makes them uh, it, that that being Ha and Eddie makes them more interchangeable. Uh, they can maybe play a little bit more with bringing one of them off the line on a safety blitz, or play somebody closer to the line in coverage if they want to. So I think it's pretty interesting. I do think that the upshot of this for me is that we're still in a very good position to draft a young safety that we talked about on our safety episode to groom behind Clinton Dix. If Clinton Dix has a great year, he can go off, sign a big contract, and that can set the Bears up for a good comp pick uh, uh, to replace him. So there is a lot of positives to see about this
0: what did you think i think it's a good i think it's a good swap we talked about this on the last bears over beers the safety episode and i said uh you know it was close between the two players which i think we've seen play out on twitter i think nobody's absolutely sure who took anybody in this deal um and it's funny that the redskins get left out of this since haha was a half-year rental to the to the washington redskins for a fourth round um, pick too yeah. Yeah. Everybody's just like, this is Bears Packers. And I'm like, he, he wasn't a Packer anymore. Yeah, but right. of course, of course, if he was ever a Packer, it's going to be Bears Packers. Um his coverage skills are really good. I, I think it's funny how both guys' supposed weaknesses are getting played up. Like Amos is suddenly a troglodyte box safety who cannot play the pass. Not true at all. He's really good in the short zone versus tight ends. Um, you know, He's not a deep third safety like Eddie Jackson, but a lot of safeties aren't. And he's not hopeless versus the pass. And on the flip side, everybody's like, ha-ha's a great pass defender, great deep third guy, but he he just can't tackle. Um, Who missed more tackles last year, Amos or Clinton Dix? Who had a higher missed tackle stat? And, of course, tackle stats are compiled by the teams. They're not official. So you can take them with a grain of salt. But who had more missed tackles last year?
1: I did see this. I think it was 9-3 to
0: and Amos had more. Uh, it was nine to eight, but it had more okay. and it's, you know, so it's close and it, but it, there's supposedly this now I understand how the optics of that come around. Like Amos is a big hitter. I mean, his, his handle on Twitter is smash Amos. His right. nickname at Penn state was Hulk. Yeah. He brings it. He's, he's a hammer. Um, Dix is not a hammer, but he's not a bad tackler, and everybody's talking about him like he's wet tissue paper in terms of getting people down, and he's not. And there's plenty of tape out there that shows that. So it's really, that part is really interesting to me, like you said, the juxtaposition of we got the better guy, and your guy has all these holes, and we're going to see him. And I think the bottom line is, you know, defense is is 11 guys on the field, and right now Eddie Jackson's one of the best safeties in the NFL, and HaHa gets to play with Eddie, and Amos doesn't. And so if anything, regardless of the two guys' abilities, Ha is going to look better because Eddie's going to clean up more stuff next to him than Amos is going to get in Green Bay. So the one-year deal is really interesting. It's certainly a low dollar value. It's a chance for him to reset. But the other thing is everybody's so sure that Jackson's going to continue to progress on this really sharp linear increase and just be amazing and that haha is going to have his good year and sign his big mercenary contract and move on. Well, football is a funny game. You know, I hope that happens. I hope Eddie continues to ascend and is clearly the best free safety in the league next year. That would be amazing. But you know, there's injury, there's regression, there's everything else. And if, you know, haha plays really well and God forbid, Eddie gets hurt, you know, he's still sitting here and he's got familiarity with the defense and they might end up signing haha to a, to a larger deal. So, It also does leave that possibility for the Bears to draft a safety. We've talked at length about who those guys could be on the safety podcast. We don't need to go back into that, but there's a lot of good ones in the middle rounds. And I think the Bears will do that, to have a safety to groom um, going forward. So I like the flexibility, and I I like the move overall. I think for this year, it sets the defense up, like you said, with a lot of versatility and a lot of chances to intimidate uh, opposing passers.
1: Well, there's nothing wrong with having good football players and more good football players on the team, and certainly a guy with a pedigree of haha ha Clinton Dix is a welcome addition in that way. You know, I don't know if you want to give grades out, but I, I'm going to start off by giving out an A. For, the, for Ryan Pace on this one. They waited out the first wave, didn't overcommit to anybody with a big contract, got a good player at a really good price uh, with plenty of upside on the field in 2019, and, and I think there's a lot of potentially good outcomes for that moving forward, so I give Ryan Pace an A on this one.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I I think for all the reasons we talked about, the flexibility, you did get a good player, you get a A player that's familiar with the guy he's going to be running with which is also pretty fun um from their time together at alabama and um yeah i think for all the outcomes didn't pay a lot of money got a great player that's that's what you want to do in free agency so good job to ryan pace
1: well let's move on to something that's maybe a little bit more controversial but we'll stick in the secondary buster screen he late of the New York Jets and originally from the Cleveland Browns signed a three-year, $16.6 million contract with eight and a half guaranteed. There is a potential out for the Bears after two years with only $1.4 million in dead cap hit. Uh, screen, basically, he's going to be the nickel corner. He's going to replace Bryce Callahan. He's an aggressive slot corner. He's got a little bit of a history of drawing pass interference penalties. I know a lot of the Jets fans on Twitter were happy to see him go because of that. Uh, but, you know, keep let's keep that into context that it was the Jets. When uh, <laughs> he came free originally from Cleveland after his rookie contract in 2014, I remember being pretty interested in him. There was a lot of really quality buzz about him. He had four picks in that in his fourth year in Cleveland. He looked like one of the better nickel corners signed a decent contract with the Jets and played out the whole contract and so that's you know that's something to to keep in mind too He's been incredibly durable he's only missed five games in his career uh you know he's always going to be compared to bryce callahan, bryce callahan who who signed with denver uh on a more expensive deal. It wasn't significantly more than what screen had uh, uh finally got from the bears but it's it's enough to where there is a little bit of a difference to say that screen was a discount for sure, and you know what can we get out of him versus what Callahan uh, brings, and is the durability that Screen brings more attractive to Ryan Pace, uh, and, and is that going to be uh, what's really worth it for this contract moving forward?
0: Yeah, I think Screen versus Callahan is similar to the to the Amos HaHa debate uh, in that. Um, Screen is like you said He is aggressive Uh, I think he's a Solid nickel corner he plays very well Near the line of scrimmage he will support the Run he can get grabby he Gets on guys he's aggressive that's absolutely True we're gonna see a few more penalties Probably saw with Callahan but The biggest flip side to that is the Durability he was on he's been on the field For every game except for five games In his career which is in stark contrast To Bryce Callahan who averages about 11 games a year got him for a value um, in terms of money and this is one of those things where you need to replace the you need to replace the roll you need to replace the player but what do you pay and do you pay the premium and roll the dice on an injured guy or do you pay a little bit less get say 80 85 percent of his ability or production in defense? Um, maybe even a little bit more of a screen we'll see. Um, for, you know, a significant savings and then spend that money elsewhere. And from a team-building perspective, it's really interesting. So I think Screen's a good move. I think he's going to, you know, I think he's going to do that. He's going to provide probably 80 85% of what Callahan brought. Callahan's a very good player when he's healthy and on the field. Screen, not quite so, but he's not he's not poor in any stretch. So we'll see what happens. And you save the money and you replace the spot and I'd give it, you know, if we're giving out grades, I'd give it a solid B, B minus. He didn't, again, didn't pay a ton, got a very solid player to fill the role. Uh, We'll see what happens going forward. Maybe, you know, maybe coaches get on screen a little bit to say, Hey, you know, you've got a better pass rush here. Go ahead and, you know, leave your guy be a little bit. Give up a couple of those penalties. We don't need you to. We don't need you to grab every guy, and you know maybe those go down this year. We'll see. But as it plays out, the way it's set up, you replace the player. You didn't pay very much. I'd I'd give it a solid B B minus.
1: That's a good point about the coaching because you know coming into the scheme, he, he may be coached up a little bit differently, and you never know how that's going to uh, impact what the overall results are, especially with penalties. I you know I gave it a C, and a C is a passing grade. You know we're we're not great inflating here. Uh, I think that this really is just a two-year deal. It's certainly the option for a third if he remains very productive, but he's probably going to be here for two years. Uh, I think Pace maybe got out in front of the market a little bit too fast because I think he believed Callahan was going to sign a bigger deal and that they weren't going to be able to afford it. I'm curious if he would have waited back a little bit if you would have thought about bringing him back. But I, I really don't have a problem with the player. Uh, Buster Screen, I, I don't really have a problem with the contract. I'm just – it's a passing grade for me on that one. So uh, nothing wrong with it. Uh, one – player that I'm a little bit more excited about and I'm kind of curious to hear what you think but Cordero Patterson signed for two years 10 million dollars former first round pick of the Minnesota Vikings he's certainly uh, had his success against the Bears in the return game he has twice been named first team all pro as a kick returner he's easily one of the best if not the best kick returner in the game right now really excited that He's going to come in and be able to fix what has been a terrible weakness for the Bears the last few years. Uh, He is on his fourth team in the last four years. I was kind of surprised to look at that. But his last year of his rookie contract with the Vikings, then over to the Raiders, then the Patriots last year, and now the Bears. So uh, that's kind of interesting it did seem like Josh McDaniels and the Patriots were able to squeeze out a lot of value in him and the offense, Use him like a Swiss Army knife all over the place, had him in the backfield, had him out wide, had him in the slot. Pretty interesting that way. Uh, had a career-high 42 carries, and they weren't into rounds. They were from the backfield, and he averaged an impressive five and a half yards a carry. And so pretty interesting piece for Matt Nagy to be able to, to come in and play around with, move around in formation. Uh, I'm kind of curious to to know what you think about how many snaps he's going to see in this offense. I'm thinking if he plays 10 snaps a game for this offense, that could be pretty interesting. And certainly
0: the upside of what he brings in the kick game makes me pretty excited. Yeah, I don't know that he's going to get that many snaps uh, on offense. I I know he's going to get some, but I would If I had to sort of set that over under, it'd be somewhere between maybe five or I think eight would be on the high end. Um, And it is interesting that he's a guy that's really more drafted as a wide receiver, super raw. There's a lot of talk about him not being able to pick up playbooks, but obvious, obvious athlete. Um, tremendous athletic gifts uh, and has really morphed and changed uh, mid-career. And now he's, you know, much more of a running back. People still think of him as a wide receiver, but he's really not. And his primary value is as that premier kick returner. Now the money, the money set me back a little bit, $5 million per year for a guy that returns kicks. But again, what I talked about at the top of the show, free agency is playing, paying, you know, good players, great wages and he's a great kick returner, but there's a, you know, uh, particular value as the league sort of looks at kicks and talking about eliminating kick returns and everything else where kick returns values are definitely going down. It's not an equal third to offense or defense, but the fact that you can put him in the backfield or you can put him in the slot and he brings a ton of speed. If you do get the ball in his hands, the defense does have to account for him. So he's not a particularly scheme savvy player, but I think he's really morphed into the role that maybe he should have had when he got into the league, which is more like that. They used to call it offensive weapon, right? When they didn't really know what right. to do with a guy. He he is an offensive weapon. Starts off on the special teams, but then he can come in and take those true backfield carries now. And he's, like you said, five-something yards a carry. He's a legit threat with the ball in his hands. And it wasn't just a couple. It wasn't a handful. It wasn't 10 or 12. You know, he had 40-something carries. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what Matt Nagy and, and Mark Helfrich do with him. I think it's good for that. And again, it's not a huge overpay, but the money was a little high for me and I'm happy to have the kick return thing fixed. It's like, I would love to say it's like going and buying a kicker, but the bears tried that last year and it didn't work. Um, so they went and bought a kick returner and I think they have a better chance of having this move pan out. Yeah. That's interesting. I, you know, overall as a grade, what do you want to give it? Um, I'll go with a I'll go with a B plus because he's going to hit a couple of big returns And, you know, people talk about momentum. You hit a big kick return in your own stadium. You end up starting on the opponents, you know, 40 or 35 because you almost broke it. Um, that's a big deal. And The Bears can do a lot with a short field. So he's going to swing a couple games. He's going to have a couple of big gadget plays. Um, he might even have some big up. Straight runs, you never know. Uh, the Bears' line's real solid, so I think he's going to contribute. I, the money got me a little bit, and the fact they jumped on him really early. Again, there's not that many guys out there like that, so they had to do it. But yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't venture into A territory here.
1: No, that's interesting. I, I actually, the way that you were talking about it, I thought that I would have a higher grade than you, but I just gave it a solid B because I did have a little bit of an issue with the cost, but. It seemed like Ryan Pace paid full sticker value and maybe bought the extended warranty on it as well, which is never really a good idea. But uh, overall, I'm, I'm pretty excited. And actually, a couple uh, guys that I know who cheer for the Vikings, uh, you know, one of their one of their flaws, but uh, they were pretty upset that the Bears got Patterson. So there's still, there's still some love for Patterson and Vikings land, and that's usually a pretty good sign when someone signs with your division rival and you're upset because you don't want to cheer against him. So I think that that bodes well for the Bears signing Patterson, and hopefully he can turn take one back to against the Vikings and repay that debt. Uh, the last guy that I want to talk about that I think is an interesting move, and I know we're going to talk about running backs in the future, but Mike Davis... Signs a two year six million dollar deals uh, deal. I can't find any information about any guarantees uh, for this, but it's a small contract uh, for a player who has i think shown some flashes uh, not necessarily have the the draft pedigree of some of the other guys uh, that we've talked about, but um Played pretty well when given the opportunity in Seattle last year. And the only reason why I know that is because of fantasy football. He's kind of a waiver wire, uh, you know, on the top of the waiver wire list. So, uh, you know, I've picked him up in a few leagues and and watched him play and thought, yeah, he looked pretty good. Uh, I don't think you want to look too deep into his history with the 49ers or in the first year with Seattle, as those teams were. Pretty terrible up front, and had Tom Cable coaching the offensive line in Seattle, which is never something that you want to watch if you like offensive line play. Uh, I do think he's taking over the Benny Cunningham role. Uh, He doesn't have a lot of mileage on his body, which I think is a good thing to talk about a running back who's coming into his fifth year just doesn't have a lot of carries. Uh, I think that this really just shows that the Bears are definitely drafting a running back, though they didn't go with a with a top option to replace. Jordan Howard, who still is on the team, of course, and may be back, but uh, you know, all all of the talk and buzz around Chicago is that they do want to move uh, Jordan Howard, so that's why we're talking about it like that. Uh, Curious what you think, how many carries he can get. I kind of see him as a one to two possession per game kind of guy, but if he's pressed into a bigger role, might be interesting, but a little bit of a risk given his lack of history of success.
0: I like Davis. I've liked Davis since his time in South Carolina. Um, he, I thought he ran really well in sprayer teams. There had a little bit of an injury history, but not much. Um, the deal two years, 6 million, look 3 million for a player that's going to contribute on the, on the core offense is, is basically nothing in the current cap. Uh, I like, didn't like his first year with the 49ers. I, you know, didn't, didn't really get the greatest shake there, like you said. Came in, played with the Seahawks, uh, which is a team, obviously, I follow as are right up the road. Uh, Tom Cable was a was an abysmal um, <laughs> era for Seahawks fans. Let's just call it that. Right. They switched to Mike Solari last year, and he looks like a very capable running back. He's got quick feet. He's good at the inside run. Comparing him to Benny Cunningham, I think, is is quite solid. I think he's a little bit better uh, at the Cunningham role than Cunningham is even um I think he's a little, I think he can definitely catch. Uh, He runs very, very hard. Uh, He's sort of a classic running backs runner. You know, he's got good vision, decent feet, can run inside, uh, has enough speed and power to turn it outside if he needs to. I don't think he's going to be getting a ton of carries a game because, you know, you think about how many many carries an NFL team really has in a game anymore. And like two years ago, only one, one guy in the, in the whole league had 360 carries and everybody else, there was only four more, uh, four total over 260 for the year. So if you start dividing that up, the whole, everybody's like, well, I'm not sure you can hold up for 20 carries a game. Well, nobody gets 20 carries a game. You know, there might be 20 carries for the team. And in the bears case, they're definitely going to be splitting that, you know, one or two for Patterson, uh, probably eight to 10 for Cohen, Um, something like that for Davis five to eight, something like that. And then this sort of mystery running back to be named later, if Jordan Howard gets moved at the draft, like everybody thinks he's going to, you know, uh, that's going to be the guy that's going to fill out that last bunch of carries. So I don't think he's going to be that workhorse back, but if he needs to, he's shown the ability to, he absolutely has the body for it. He absolutely has the vision for it. I'm I'm higher on Mike Davis than most because I've followed him since his since his college career and I think this is a really good shot for him with a with a good offense. And the other thing that I want to highlight is they went out and got him. They didn't wait. Right. Now, running backs are available. There's still good running backs out in the free agency pool. There's a ton of running backs in the draft this year. Uh, you can even get a running back in the UDFA market. People have been really successful with that. So despite all that, they went out and got Mike Davis like first in free agency. So there's something that they've seen about that player that they like, and I'm really interested to figure out what that is.
1: Well, that just speaks to the pro scouting
0: side of the, of the department
1: that they're willing to go out and get a guy that's mid tier, lower tier, I think in most people's minds and go out and get him early like you said that is pretty interesting and and I think you know I've seen a little bit of uh people saying, "Man, Tevin Coleman, he had a you know, he's really great for the, for the Falcons and they he he got signed for what is it? 2 years, 10 million or something like that." Yeah, his contract was lower than I thought it was going to be. And I think I like Tevin Coleman. I like him as a player. But he just he, he reminds me of just a bigger version of Tariq Cohen. I'm not sure that he's necessarily what they want uh, to pair with Cohen. And so I, I didn't really see him as a very good fit. But it is interesting that they went out and got Davis. The deal... Like you said, it's really not that much uh, in the overall cap of things. It did maybe seem a little bit higher than what everybody else was thinking, but they, that's what happens when you go
0: out early and get a guy. What would you overall give this guy as a grade for the move? Um I'd be in the I'd be in the B minus grade because I again I think a lot of people are thinking Oh is this our new lead back and if so I'm disappointed and I don't think I, I don't think he is I think he's that you know tier two very solid if the starter goes down he could be counted on for carries and you're going to give him sort of five to eight spell carries a game and he's going to do really well with those so I, and again for the money I think it's probably a B minus that you want to have a guy that's solid running backs get hurt that's just the factor of life you got to have one or two of them and as a sort of one B back, I think he's in a perfect spot. Yeah. You've talked me into it. I'm going to raise my grade up to a B minus as well.
1: Um, I had it as a C before,
0: but success. I like him. I like him. Yeah. He's a good, solid, good, solid player. I don't think anybody's going to be like, Oh my God. Uh, you know, he's not going to get the Taekwondo Mazzell treatment. Let's put it that way. Jeez, please. Um, all right, let's move on before we delve into
1: Taekwondo. Mazzell. But All right. So we still have some time. I mean, there's going to be more signings in free agency. Uh, Who do you think is next in terms of targets? I I would have to say that the Bears are going to focus on trying to bring in a third outside linebacker. Uh, Either they're going to bring Aaron Lynch back or they're going to try to bring somebody else in. Uh, You know, if there's one guy out there that you'd really like to see Chicago sign, you know, for me, it's, it's Justin Houston. That's the you know that's the obvious one. Everybody's kind of waiting for that one, but I think he'd be really interesting to bring in. I'm sure that Matt Nagy has a relationship with him. Um, he's he's just got the potential to put it all together and be a huge impact player. Uh, you certainly wouldn't feel like there's a huge drop off with Justin Houston coming in and taking some snaps from Leonard Floyd or from even from Mac uh, to to be able to get Mac a couple series off. Um, I think he would fit really well. I think this is exactly the kind of veteran pass rusher that has signed a deal with a contender in the past. It seems to be a model that's being uh, shown year after year. You know, Chris Long comes to mind. Uh, he's kind of gone gone around and tried to chase championships and been successful in doing so. And so I, I really like Justin Houston. Rumors to the Bears really would make me pretty happy. Um you know, maybe he can be even more effective in a reduced role and just focusing on getting after the quarterback, playing, you know, maybe 25% of the snaps. Uh, I, I don't know. That That's maybe a little bit too obvious, but that's that's the guy I really would like to see Ryan Pace bring in.
0: Yeah, I think Houston's a great choice for, for sort of an answer to this question. And, yeah, a lot of people have rumored him to the Bears. It's, it's not new news. Um, certainly Nagy was in Kansas City. Has a relationship with him, most likely. Houston's still a good player, still an effective player, not a guy that you want to be taking, you know, 700 snaps, um, but can absolutely maybe even be more effective in that situational pass stretcher role and is definitely the top dog in that role left in free agency. After that, there's a pretty significant drop-off. Houston, I think, could make an impact. Um, Some of the other guys, not. My top target was Shaq Barrett because he was a little bit younger. He ended up signing a deal to go down to Tampa, um, probably because he was going to have the opportunity to start, and he was definitely going to be a situational rusher with the Bears, which I think would have benefited him greatly, but um, he didn't think so. He took a real reasonable deal, for him, $4 million a year, for a young pass rusher. That's, that, to me, just seems like a steal. That's um right. But since he's off the market, it'd be really interesting. I think if Houston's price lines up, I think the longer he waits, the better off it is for the Bears. That price is going to come down. The pool of available funds around the league is going to go down. Everybody's kind of penciling him into the Bears anyways, which can kind of reduce a guy's market. Like, ah, we're not going to go after him that hard because he's going to end up in Chicago. That's great. If he ends up in the Bears' lap for a, you know, I don't know, bargain, uh, what would you consider a bargain? I mean, if if he comes in at, like, 7 million a year i'm yeah. i'm all for it
1: seven is exactly the number i was thinking
0: well yeah if, if they line up at that number i'm happy to have justin houston as a bear for all the reasons you mentioned um some other guys that are still out there i speaking of injured guys we were talking about quan alexander earlier and a guy that i sort of put out a stump for on twitter that again has had a rough go with injuries is jason barrett um the corner from san diego That guy's a tremendous player, and he's had a terrible injury history, but the 49ers signed him for peanuts. Uh, I think it's $3.5 million. Um, And he is a top corner when he's playing. And I would have liked to see the Bears roll the dice on him even though they've had a lot of trouble with injured cornerbacks. and Ryan Pace definitely seems to be shading away from players who'd be injured but he was another guy I thought would be a, a really big ad of other guys that are left on the market it's a guy we've talked about before Trey Boston same things happening to him that happened last year you know the safety market's dragging on he's not getting a contract the guy is a really good safety and you said it earlier in this pod there's no such thing as too many good players on a roster if you get that guy for like three million a year which is totally possible given that you know we could wait another week and he he wouldn't have a deal i mean trey boston backing up haha and eddie give me a break that's an embarrassment of riches and the only reason i think they might not do it is because they really seem to be lining up to take a safety in the draft a young safety they structured haha's um you know contract that way uh they didn't extend DeAndre Houston Carson or, or offer him a deal. There seem to be freeing up that spot for young safety, and I'm all for that. We've talked about young safeties; I think are really good that could fill it. So that might keep them from bringing a guy like Boston in and saying, "Hey, he's going to take snaps, development snaps away from a young safety." But it also gives you a tremendous flexibility moving into the draft. Like, we don't need a safety. We have Eddie Jackson. We've got, you know, maybe they should sign Trey Boston to a two-year deal. You know, two right. years, $6.5 million or something. That would be a huge deal. And it would give you so much security going into the season saying, look, we can take a great safety if he's there and he falls into our laps. But if he doesn't, we're set for the next year or two so i'd like to see a move like that adding kind of strength to strength there's a couple of corners out there guys like ej Gaines, who could be really good depth again if the market sort of squeezes them and they just don't get that contract but that's i think houston's the big name boston's kind of a dark horse um you know there's a couple receivers but i I think they're done there too i think they'll probably take a receiver if they if they want more receiver depth after they went out and got marvin hall so, yeah, it's sort of slowing down, but there's there's still a lot of value. And if they want to sort of pad, especially that cornerback rank, I think they might take another take another stab at it.
1: Well, I'm kind of curious, you, you know, the Trey Boston idea, not only as a backup, you know, mostly safeties are going to stay on the field most of the time, but it would give the possibility to play that big nickel. Uh I don't know how much Pagano has done that in his career, but that's certainly something that we've seen a few defensive coordinators do with have three safeties on the field to counteract some things. And, you know, that gives you the opportunity to be, uh, you know, even more of a hybrid defense and be able to put, put out things to counteract what the offense wants to do. And so, again, you can't have too many good players. And if you can bring a guy in, to uh you know, sell them on that. Hey, we want to use you in this in this kind of formation and obviously if anybody needs a needs a, a series off or uh needs to uh you know take a take a couple of weeks to recover from an injury, you know, obviously you'll have that opportunity. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I mean I don't know what Ryan Pace has planned for the that fifteen million that he has left in the free agency money, but if he would bring on a third safety I would I certainly would not be upset with that.
0: Yeah, a lot of extra flexibility.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's all I have for the free agency stuff. But I do want to get back to that beer because I'm kind of curious. I, I've had some Iron Horse stuff
0: in the past, but how did it? Uh, how did it all shake out for you over there? It's it's fantastic stuff. If I had to, if somebody was, if I had to give a pitch for somebody that was thinking about trying this beer, I'd say, look, if you've ever had a Guinness and thought that's okay, but it's a little little sort of flattened character i just want a little bit more that's what i would call irish death it's almost like a guinness uh with not quite as much oaky taste to it or, or smoky peaty taste to it um but a little bit more character on the malt side just a, just a little bit more sort of roundness on the back end it's very very drinkable um not a lot of carbonation to it they they build it as a dark smooth ale and i think that's exactly what it is they will however sneak up on you if you have a couple at at almost eight percent um they're they're coming <laughs> so uh it's it's a great beer uh they also make a a variant style called mocha death which has a coffee note to it which you might like um that adds a whole different dimension to that and, and when mocha death comes out it's a limited release i always pick up a little bit of that because it's just such an interesting beer
1: yeah pacific northwest and coffee who knew yeah, strange. Uh, <laughs> I really do like this beer. I, as I said, the only other beer I've had from this brewery is the the chocolate shake uh, porter, which is really good. But this this is pretty good. Uh, sometimes the coffee stouts it's overpowering in the coffee, and it's just a little bit too much. I mean, at that point, you just want to just go have a coffee. But <laughs> the the oak age, uh, you know, the oak age just really balances a lot of things out, makes things really smooth. And at
0: only six point two percent, it's that's a uh, That's pretty nice. That's pretty drinkable. That's really nice for that style, especially because those things can get really heavy and they can be full of alcohol, too. So, I mean, that's either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on where you're going. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, uh, that's all I have. You want to get us out of here?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So follow Jeff on Twitter. He is at gridiron born. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at the draftsman FB and follow the podcast. We're at bears over beers. You can find us there. Uh, will be posted on the windy city gridiron podcast channel. Uh, it's on iTunes and Stitcher. You can find it there as well. Um, Lots of stuff coming up. Next, uh, Bears Over Beers will focus on the edge rusher position. Uh we'll be putting that out hot on the heels of this free agency episode. And the one after that, I I gotta tell the folks. Oh. I gotta lift the lid off. Let's do it. We're we're going to running back. I can't wait anymore. I've got the itch and uh, I, I just can't stay away from running back tape anymore. So next bears over beers will be edge players. And the one following on will be running backs. Uh, Those will be coming out. Look for those in the next couple of weeks. And until then uh, thanks so much for listening, rating, reviewing, giving us comments on Twitter. Uh, We really appreciate it. Look forward to everything we get from you guys. And uh, until the next time, which won't be all that far uh, bear down. Thanks everybody.